Hey folks, and thanks for listening to this Tortoise Shack podcast. A little bit of housekeeping before we kick off. Obviously, I'm looking for you to join the Tortoise Shack and help support this left-leaning progressive podcast platform. Continue to put out the content that there are literally thousands of you listening to. And the way you do that is you click the link at the top of the podcast that says patreon.com forward slash tortoise shack. I just want to say thanks to everybody for the feedback to the Dara O'Brien interview. Negative and positive. It's all welcome. It's We are just doing our best to try and actually ask the questions even if we aren't satisfied with the answers we received and also think I thought it was quite touching some of the messages I received in relation to Luke Ming Flanagan's uh, talk discussion he had with us in relation to his own struggles with mental health and we're very grateful that he shared that with us and you our listeners anyway one more time please go to the Patreon link I can't tell you how difficult it is to try and maintain your independence especially when the first thing people are cutting in this cost of living crisis is the discretionary spending so we know it's tough out there and we need your help to keep the mics on and the conversations going I'm going to stop rabbiting on enjoy the podcast Welcome to Reboot Republic, the podcast that goes behind the headlines and looks at the big issues in this republic of inequality. We are the podcast of solutions and the podcast of hope. And I'm your host, Rory Hearn. And I'm delighted to be joined on the podcast today by um, one of the representatives of the Muslim Sisters of Erin. It's Lorraine. Lorraine, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me again. <laughs> yeah, no, it's great. You've been on the Tortoise Shack before. Um, And your work is absolutely fantastic and so important um, now more than ever. And we're seeing um, a cost of living crisis really hammering people and children in particular. um, You know, we've been highlighting the homelessness issue for years in particular. Again, you know, the impact on children and families, but individuals and migrants as well. What are you seeing on the ground now? Because you provide supports um within Dublin city um and you know food supports on the, on the streets outside the gpo um you know we've seen the the images of the huge queues um like what is the situation now at the moment in the ground for people who are coming to eat? what it's you know the only way i can put it is it's sad that's the only way i can put it i think um we've seen this happening the, the, the crisis that was coming, we 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 seen this wave coming, this big tsunami wave coming, yeah. And we were saying this just before COVID, um, it, with our data, we were giving out the highest we ever gave out was two hundred and fifty meals a week, and we're up to six eighty, sometimes hitting seven hundred now a week. And we've seen that when you look back on the graphs and look at the data, and you know this by what your, you know, cups, sauce, cups, plates, meals, everything coming in and out, you've got to have um, a database of everything, your income um, and expenditure and so forth yeah. and so on, how many meals, all that is all documented. And it gives us a look at um, where we were then to where we are now. And in our graphs, um, you could see the slow, steady rise during COVID. And COVID, as I said, you know, before COVID, we had um, a, a homeless crisis and we had three categories of homeless. And that was families in hotel accommodation coming down, um, single persons in hostels and rough sleepers. And that was it. 
Then during COVID, people lost their job. The whole country went shut down. You know, yeah. schools were closed. Children were at home. I had one mother coming down one week saying my children are like Pac-Man. You know, and it hit the lower class as well as the higher class. But the lower class, then the social welfare went to every second week. You know what I mean? Where people will be getting their social welfare every week. But to avoid crowds and crowd control, it went to every second week. Yeah. Then you had children at home where when families were at home, you know, the normal day will be child, children get up, have their breakfast, they go to school, they come back in the late afternoon, they have a dinner or maybe a snack. But these children were at home for six and seven months and just eating out of boredom. And then you had your social welfare trying to keep that for two weeks with the extra impact of food, children being kept in, so forth and so on. That crisis, then we start to see families coming down who had homes but couldn't keep food on the table because of the children being at home. Then we start seeing um, young people who were in the hotel industry, who lost jobs, who are waiters, you know, mm. in, in hotels and so forth and so on, who had accommodation. And they were now in, in a dilemma where they were trying to pay their rent. They had no job. The pub payment wasn't doing that. And they were trying to be themselves. So then they were coming to us for food and help as well. So you could see all this starting to come, this wave yeah. starting to come. And then obviously you had the war in U Ukraine. And then you had the uh, inflation rate starting to rise. And this yeah. was all coming. And I kept saying this during COVID. We've got a new wave. And it's COVID poverty and it's coming and it's going to hit us like a brick. And then, you know, with our current data now, we're up in 657. And if I brought a thousand meals, they'd still be given out. Do you yeah. know what I mean? And so the, the strain, to be honest with you, we're burning out. We literally are burning out. Yeah, it, it's it, Bernardo's came out with figures there yesterday showing um there was a fifth of families were unable to provide food for mm -hmm. their children, um, which is a shocking number, a shocking number, like a fifth, 20%, one in five, unable to provide sufficient food for their families. And of course, they're prioritizing rent and they're prioritizing the, the housing costs um, and you, the cost of everything has just gone so much now that there is a real kind of gap. And, and in some sense, it's been frustrating because there's kind of this discussion in the media, oh, the cost of living crisis is abating. But for those who are, you know, struggling on lower incomes, on, you know, reliant um, on welfare for different reasons, the cost of living crisis has become even more acute because there's arrears build up and things like that. Um, so it's really, you know, it's it's sad to hear, as you say as well, you're seeing that, you know, on the ground that, this is just a whole other level of, you know, human need. And at the time, of course, we're the one of the wealthiest countries in the world with billions in surplus that we don't know what to do with. It's just. I think the government, our, our, our government, and I have to be very honest, are shameful. They've just made a mess of everything, to be honest with you. Um, you know, people say uh, the likes of these Supron's shouldn't be needed, that if they're yeah. down there, people are just coming out of, some people have said out of greed. And I'm like, oh, I'm seven years there now. You know, we're not seven months, we're into our seventh year there. And when you see people quietly queuing up, quietly waiting, and the queues go around into Henry Street, up to Pandora, up, you know, right yeah. around, quietly waiting there to get a meal, and with children. And what an increase we're seeing is old people on Zimmer frames, 
I'm like, ah, this is it's it's, it's getting too much. And I t- and then we have an influx of of uh, immigrants coming into the country that the government are getting huge payment for bringing these immigrants into the country from the UN, and they're doing nothing. So I I got a call which makes my blood boil two weeks ago, and I was from seventy five uh, immigrants, and they said that there was. A, a collection of them after coming into the country and they've been told that Muslim Sisters of Era will give them food, sleep bags, tents, so forth and so on. Now I said, where did you hear this information? They said the Red Cross. And I got onto the Red Cross immediately. Now they're denying saying they never said that, but these, this is what's going on. Then I had another person from Focus Ireland down. And I'm like, these are government funded, you know, huge organizations without discrediting them. You know, where is what's happening? Do you know what I mean? Where is all this funding going? Because it's not coming to Muslim Sisters of Era, I can tell you that. We're not government funded for anything to do with homeless. Now, we're government funded with work that we do with diverse and a small funding. I mean, I'm talking about 3,000, 5,000 here and there, but that's all to do with um, integration, diversity, yeah. and so forth and so on. But the only funding, our only, uh, it's, sorry, could you get that teleport? I'll go back. The only funding, uh, sorry, the only um, source of any kind of finance that we get to do with the homeless is the Irish public. Yeah. It's the I, Irish I, public. I just, I'll come back to that. I just want to come back to that, the, the idea that, you know, soup kitchens aren't needed and they kind of create a need and they, and they, as you say, some people say they're, you know, people don't need it, they're greedy, but it just... Like, where is that coming from? Who's making that argument? I literally, I, I think the people that want to deny that the country is in the state that it's in, I think yeah. that's who it is. You know, they say people that turn around and they say, oh, it's all a lot of people who are junkies or addictions or alcohol. Let me tell yeah. you, it's not. It's not. I have people quite, there is people down there with addictions and there's no point in saying that there isn't, but God help them, nobody knows what's around the next corner for any of us. Exactly, so, exactly. First of people all, with addiction have just as much right to food exactly. and, and, and every quality of life than anyone else. Yeah, everybody is welcome down in, in, in my Supron and I'm sure I speak for all the Suprons of Ireland. But um, in terms of people that do have addictions, yes, they are down there, but I can tell you, um, I'd say 25% is only people who yeah. have addictions. Um, 65% or 75, I mean, yeah, 75% is people who don't. Yeah. And are everyday Joe Soaps who are struggling. And it's uh, when you see people with puppies, with little children and toddlers and their mammies holding their hands quietly, or you see old people on simmer frames, it can be really, it, it it really tears your heart and, and it can be like, you know that you're helping people and the goodness is there and you feel very privileged that you're able to help people. But I can tell you, you come home with a heavy heart every Friday night, a really yeah. heavy heart. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen people come over the years and I've seen people die over the years. We've lost a lot of people over the years. You know, people, when you when you hear on the news someone was found in a tent, your heart drops because you know you know that person. Yeah. After seven years down there. Yeah. And of and course, the, the other idea is you say, you know, people are queuing, you know, with dignity, quietly. That, you know, the idea that somehow this is greed or somehow, you know, they're just trying to, 
scrounge. It's just a horrific idea. You know, people queue on a main street in our capital city for food because they need it. Because the state and system has abandoned them, not because, you know, somehow they're scroungers. I just think that's a horrific, and you're right to say, it is people trying to deny the huge social crisis that's going on. And I ask Lorraine, though, because we've, Lorraine, I've spoken to you over the last couple of years, and like Rory said, we're great admirers of the work you guys do. But the rise of the far right, I've seen now, when you particularly when you post stuff online, uh, it's picked up by these nasty elements, you know, and of course they either racialize it or they, you know, there's obviously a little Islamophobia as well. And there's all sorts of other nasty comments now. Has that made it more difficult even on the streets now? Because these protests aren't just online, they're actually taking place on the streets of Dublin now. I don't know what goes through their head. I literally can't understand the person. Now, look, I've been victim of that myself, you know, of Islamophobia, of racial uh, discrimination and being, you know, and sometimes down there at the GPO, you would get the odd guy coming up and saying, oh, you need to go back to your own country, even though you're facilitating the needs down there. And I'd be like, oh, why do you want me to go? Cool, look, like, just get out of my face and move on. You know what I mean? It just yeah, makes you feel vile. It makes your blood boil. Yeah. But um, at the same time, it is a worry because I have a team down there who are a team of migrants. And, um, you know, they're a, they're a strong team, strong team. Um, but, you know, I just, I just can't get in my mind where the far right are coming from. You know, Ireland is, is, it's unique. We, do, we don't own Ireland. We don't own anything. Do you know what I mean? Who owns the world? Who has a right to say you belong here or you don't belong there? Do you know what I mean? And I think when, when the war in Ukraine happened and the government took in so many refugees from the war in Ukraine, and then you had the, the, the Irish people welcoming all these refugees, which rightly so, you're coming from a war, but you also, before that now you have refugees coming from Syria from Afghanistan and so forth and so on so they decide now we don't want these we only want Ukrainians you can't do that that's blatant racism as well yeah. you know what I mean so I I, I, I far I look my great grandfather was hung in Limerick prison my grandfather was in Wales in prison with Michael Collins and spent five years in Kilmain in prison for the very freedom that we have to hear today am I patriotic yes I'm very patriotic and I'm very proud to be Irish but that doesn't say that I can say you don't belong here and you do I do you know you can't the world is made up I, I always say that to my daughters if, and my grandchildren now, if you take up sand and you look at it and all the different colours in the sands represents people from all over the world. And no one has that right to say, you don't belong here or go back to where you come from. Now, on the flip side of it, do I think the government have made a be of it all? Yes, I do. I don't think the government, when they were taking um, so many refugees into the, the country, they didn't have a plan. Or they had a plan that didn't work, obviously. Do you know what I mean? If you're going to take X amount of refugees into the country, have somewhere for them to go. Have a plan and action. You know, but now it's when you get off the plane, you're on the streets and you're in tents. And then people are saying, look, there's a shanty town being being formed of immigrants and then they're getting burned out. And, and, and I blame course, the government. Yeah. And, and, and of course, yes, if the government had a proper accommodation response that meant, you know, these asylum seekers and, ref, you know, refugees weren't 
having to live in tents, then you wouldn't have. Can that. I can I make one and little point, Rory? Just one. It's important for yeah. this benefit. One of the pledges in the white paper to end direct provision was was uh, between four and six new reception centres, and they were to be people accommodate them from twenty twenty two onwards. They haven't broken ground on one of them. Yeah, you see, yeah. I had I had as well during Ramadan um, up in City West. It's notorious. Um, I got a video out. A, a young man gave me a video of the way they're sleeping up in City West. And it's, it's, do you know what? You, you'd be in a five star hotel in Mount Joy than City West. Yeah. You know, what was it like? You know what what was it? He gave me a video and they're all just in, in a room and they're all on floors. They're all on floors with sleeping bags. They're on the floor. They're not in beds. They're not on mattresses. They're on floors. And I'm not saying that they're not lucky, like they, you know, thank God that they do have a roof over their head and they're not on the streets. But what's happening there is people are frustrated. Of course. And then are. that yeah. frustration blows up. And then yeah. you've got all different, and what the government are doing, you've got all different ethnicities, you know, kind of ghettoizing with each other in all different corners. So if one sparks, then everybody comes in and there's all fighting and there's frustration. And it's 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 just not a nice place. It really yeah. isn't. Well it, it's almost it it's almost it's set up inevitably to explode. Do you know what I mean? Because you've people That's coming it. from trauma, from, you know, into a place where they don't know and you're as you say, you're just putting them all together and in sleeping bags, taking whatever last bit of dignity they have away from them and it's 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 a survival. It's horrific. In terms of what you think should be done now to try and stop this rise and spread of the far right, and not just the far right for the far right, but this anti-immigrant blaming refugees for the you know housing crisis and this anti-refugee uh, sentiment, what do you think needs to be done? I think first of all, the government needs to stand up and ownership of it because I think the government are pitting us and them. They're doing this. They know what they're doing. They're pitting the, you know, the Irish against the immigrants. Do you know what I mean? This is what's mm. been done because this is what they created. This is what is after happening due to lack of sheer, you know, uh, planning and doing the, the things right. In terms, I think the government, you know, as you said, there's billions of surplus money. We have a huge housing crisis. You need to definitely look into the housing crisis, you know, get more affordable housing, cap the bloody rents. The rents have gone crazy. Bring back the eviction ban till they have somewhere for the ch these families to go. I have families coming down who are getting evicted and they've nowhere to go. And they're saying, well, what, what will I do? And you, like two years ago, you could help. Now you're going, I can't do anything for you. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? The eviction ban, cap the rents. More affordable housing, you know, they're talking now, now because of what's going on with the far right and all the, um, you know, the protests and people being injured. Now they're saying really quickly, we're going to get, you know, these office buildings, we're going to make them into homes, we're going to put them in. They're going to quickly, in a space they were saying on the news the other day, in five days, house 300 people. See what they can do when they want to. But then there's the likes, and this is going to cause more, to be honest with you, more um, problematic problems and more um, tension with the far right because they're saying, okay, now look what they're doing. They're going to house 300, uh, two, I think it was 259 immigrants immediately. What about the Irish people that are on the housing list? What about the people that are still in a hotel accommodation? So this is what's going to happen. It's, it's still going to cause, you know, a knight against each other. 
seriously, my take on it, I think the government that are there need to step down. <laughs> and a new government, maybe, you know, I, I whether she stands up to what she's saying, I'm kind of behind her, but I'd be intrigued to see, is it all talk, which is Mary Lou. I think yeah. she is fantastic in what she's saying and her plans, but is that talk? I'd love Mary Lou to get in and see her action plan. Because she does talk about, and all her talk is about homelessness, the homeless crisis, immigrants, and getting it all sorted out. So I'd love to see her in and whether it's all talk to get in or whether she will do what she says. It's really interesting. And I think that the the idea, you know, the government has utterly failed on this and housing as well. And the two of them, of course, are feeding into each other. Um, and, and there's no doubt that it suits them to see this, oh, yeah. you know, people turning on each other, those who are suffering most from the housing crisis in Ireland, blaming, you know, migrants and the far right feed off that. And to me, it also it, it highlights, as you say, the need to focus on, you know, providing housing for all. That's what it is. But genuinely housing for all. And the I think to push back against this idea that Ireland is full and push back against the idea that the dehumanizing that's going on of, you know, migrants and refugees. And I know you do a lot of work and you were talking beforehand on integration. Um, yeah. And how important do you think that is? And maybe you could give us some of the examples of the work you're doing. Well, you know, for me, I mean, when I became a Muslim in 2005 and, and, and then I became a victim of Islamophobia and racial slurs with a scarf on my head and like my tires were slashed, you know, things back in 2005. Yeah. You know, when I put the scarf on my head for the first time and I was spat on, you know, different incidents. And um, I either said to myself, you know, I'm going to step back a cocoon and lock myself up or I'm going to say uh, uh, no. And so I said, uh, uh, no, there's something has to be done about it. So I suppose, firstly, between 2005 and 2010, I had to empower myself. I went back to college and got involved in the outer community and got involved in lots of different um, organizations that particularly, you know, their aim was integration and maybe working with migrant and marginalized communities. So that's what I did. I took five years out and did that and then founded Muslim Sisters Vera. So, you know, even though Muslim Sisters of Era in the public sector are very much known for the soup run, that is not the only work that we do. So um, diversity and integration and, and, and dialogue and interfaith are all very important to us. And we do a lot of conferences, a lot of events to do with that. As I was just saying to your colleague there, we're knee deep in the moment of doing a two month long summer project. And that summer project is aimed at children in direct provision centres, but it's also aimed at children, that migrant children that have been born in Ireland, and Ireland is their home. And it's to help both children, the children that have been uh, reared in Ireland and, you know, are as Irish and has a probably a better, more broader Dublin accent than myself, <laughs> you know, help these young yeah. children that are now in the trans, you know, transition of coming out of direct provision centres and being housed. So it's bringing them together, helping with the common goals and, you know, kind of, I suppose, taking that two months out to empower them children and, you know, help them on what 
will come to them, you know, they will get racially discriminated. At the moment, they're in a safe box in direct provision centers. But when you come out of that safe box out to the wide world, there is a well, wider Dublin, they will um, come up against some kind of racial discrimination. Now, in saying that, Ireland in 2005 to 2023 has come in leaps and bounds. Even I see that. You know, the majority of people are live and let live and the New Ireland is the New Ireland. It's a small, small minority that needs to be capped. So it's helping them children. That's the work we do. We also have a school campaign and we go into the secondary schools and we talk about Muslim Sisters of Era and the work that we do. And when we're in the schools, we also hit about, you know, diversity, children from different parts of the world and embracing each other and learning from each other. And we're also in the school curriculum. We're in the junior cert books and the leaving cert books. So that is absolutely, you know, that to me, out of all the work that I've done with Muslim Sisters of Era for the past 13 years is my biggest achievement is to be able to know that there is, you know, Muslim Sisters of Error are in the school books and children in TY and in uh, Leave and Cert are learning about Muslim Sisters of Error in charity and the work we do. And the schools call us in. Last uh, semester, we're just finishing off now, uh, we did 30 schools and these are schools approaching us and asking us, can you come in and talk? You know, and the children are learning about your organisation. So when they're learning about an organisation in a book and then someone from that organisation comes, it opens up a whole new um, well, Sophie's choice of, well, you know, why do you wear the scarf? Why do you do what you do? what you know and it, it gives us that chance to be able to say you know well i'm from dublin i have felt what it's like to be an immigrant i know what it's like and we shouldn't do this you know so i believe the future is the children so if you can change the mindset of 15 and 14 year olds you know they are our future they will be the future government they will be they will be how i think society can change so that is very important to me that the the school um the school visits and a couple of years ago uh, nationwide came and, and did Muslim Sisters Vera with Anne Casson and RTE Learn took over the rights of that. We didn't get that. So that's in as well in um some first year uh, college students um are learning about that on their diversity as well. So yeah, there's 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 a good few oh, changes there. Yeah, no, no, it's incredible the work. Um, you know, and you were talking about government. You know what government needs to do, but isn't there work we need to do as a society as well to discuss amongst ourselves about, you know, this idea? Because even like there's this kind of soft racism and this soft kind of sense that oh, you know, maybe we need more you know, border controls and, you know, maybe we are taking two immigrants and I'm not really a racist, but, you know, and they might join the protest, but they feel this kind of, mm, you know, they're, they're watching stuff online. How do we try and convince the people who aren't? I think, it, look, I was sitting last week at a family gathering and my family aren't Muslim, as you know, like I'm the only Muslim. And we were a big party. It was one of my... Uh, family's grandchildren communion and a conversation come up and and one of the women there said to me you know i feel so sorry for the poor uh ukrainian people having to leave their home and not getting back 
And I said, yeah, I said, that's right. But I said, there's also Syrian, there's also Afghanistani people, I said. And she said, oh, well, now, you know. And I said, oh, no, well, you don't know. What, what was she going to say? Oh, well, you know I what? told her, I don't know. Because <laughs> I said, oh, well, you don't know. I said, because mm -hmm. I'm working, I said, with that for a long time. So I said, when refugees are took into the country, it's not, um, you know, a pick and choose or who we pick and choose. You know, everybody is coming from notorious you know, um, things that are going on back in the homes. And I just think, I think Irish people's, as I said, the majority of Irish people are very embracing. And I seen that with the Turkey appeal. Hmm. We had a Turkey appeal recently when the, the, um, the, the earthquake, horrendous earthquake ha yeah. happened in January in Turkey, uh, February, and we did an appeal. And the amount of people ringing us, it was, you know, the Irish government, uh, the Irish people are charitable by nature and they're amazing people when something happens. And the amount of people that called me and said, look, we know Turkey is getting help, but we're very worried about the Syrian people. Is there anyone getting into Syria? Can you help us? Can we get stuff to them? So, I mean, there is that, you know, charitable aspect. But again, again, I go back to the majority of Irish people are extremely charitable and race or colour, religion, ethnicity doesn't come into it. But there is a small minority. It's like, ah, oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, and I was just about to go into a conversation like that last week, but I caught it really quick. So it's about changing the mindset of the small minority. Yeah, and it's a small, and it's making sure that small minority doesn't grow. That's yeah, the key. it is. It really is. That's our challenge. Listen, Lorraine, it's been wonderful to talk to you, and um, thank you so much for all the work you do. And if people do want to help out, do you take volunteers? Yeah, well, we're a HSC registered group run and we're also a registered charity. So any volunteers that I take on, um, I usually let them come down to the soup run for maybe two weeks. But after that, then, because we're working with, with vulnerable people, I'm, I've got to run a very tight ship down there. All the all my volunteers have got to vet it, yeah. and they all have to be HSCP level one of food and safety as well. But we have a volunteer registration form. If you go on to www.m for mammy, s for snow, o for oscar, e for eagle, dot ie, there is a volunteers registration form there. And every, now we are inundated with volunteers, so people are actually lovely. And it's not, it's a, it's an open door policy. It's not about a Muslim, not for the soup run. We're not, when we're down at the soup run, one of the golden rules is you're not allowed to talk about religion down there. We're not down there. Yeah. As a religious organisation, we're down there under charity and faith, and that's we're down there to facilitate charity and on working on empathy and compassion. So we have a lot of non-Muslim volunteers as well, which is absolutely fantastic. Um, as I said, there is a volunteers form there. You will have to fill it out once a month. I do a Zoom call all new volunteers and go through everything with them. Um, so yes. You are very welcome to volunteer with Muslim Sisters of Error, but because we're a registered charity, we do have to take certain steps. And um, if you'd like to donate, which we cannot continue without the amazing support of the Irish public, is the same www.moc.ie, yeah. and there is a donate button on the website there. So we don't take 
out of the question. I never take cash payments. We'll make it so. easier for you folks. The, 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 the link in the bottom of the podcast will be the little donate button for you. So you can, if you want to Brilliant. throw them a couple of quid, because it's 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 brilliant work and and, and uh, it's it's a pity that it's needed, but it is very yeah. necessary. It's it is. I, I, did, I didn't think seven years ago I'd still be here. I literally didn't think. Seven years. I know. I know. It's unreal. Like, I think it's 10 years since I remember being part of the first protest over the families um, being homeless in the hotels. 10 years of it now. Yeah. Um, Of, you know, thousands and thousands of children and families haven't gone through emergency accommodation and been traumatized and... It's just wrong. It's wrong and we need to do better and we can do better. And listen to But ring. look, but look, 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 let's not forget, you know, the, there's, I always say in every in everything that we think is really bad, there's also some good come out of it. And I, and I really need to really can't emphasize enough to thank the Irish public. They're behind Muslim Sisters of Era. Their donations helps me have a van, helps me pay the insurance on the van, helps me be able to collect all the collections, to be able to buy sleeping bags, tents, to be able to buy vouchers for families. We It's not the government doing that for us. It's the Irish public, and we have to remember that, that the Irish public, I hand on heart, can't thank them enough. Yeah, well, listen, well done. Thank you so much, and uh, we'll have you back on again to chat again. Okay, take care. Thanks, Bye. Rain there from Muslim Sisters of Era. Uh, fantastic work. And as we've said, Tony's going to stick up the links there on the podcast. If you can donate to them. Um, yeah, really just it is so, so sad, so challenging, but great work done. Um, and a reminder, there's a couple of um, housing events coming up. We have the um, Cork protest and um, raise the roof for having a protest in Cork on June the 11th. And um, also then, of course, as everyone um, will be who's familiar to listen to this podcast will be aware that um, Katu, the Tenants Union, are um, organizing, continue to organizing if you are a tenant. Um, and on that, the Tathany House um, eviction uh, is still um, on in terms of what's happening facing the, those residents, tenants there. And there's a protest on Friday, the 2nd of June. At noon o'clock, uh, noon o'clock, <laughs> 12, 12 noon, oh, enough. Stop, the, stop the eviction. Uh, so if you can um, check that out. And uh, yeah, there's another uplift um, eviction um, town hall meeting going to be aimed at uh, the Dublin Northwest, I think, or Dublin Southwest. I can't remember exactly, but that's coming up in a few weeks. I'll let people know. Tony, thanks so much as always. Thanks, folks. Talk to you soon. Take care. Bye bye.